and welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly eyes 1978's Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is very exciting, Chris, because we are officially halfway done this movie. <gasps> Oh my gosh. To, to use a sports metaphor, and that might confuse some of you out there, don't worry, it'll be okay. We are on the back nine of Superman the movie. This is, am- <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, thank God I saw Caddyshack years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're not talking about Caddyshack, which no. is my wife's like, that's the, the movie where my wife draws the line, you know, most of the other comedies. For whatever reason, she picked Caddyshack to hate. I don't know why. Interesting. But, so, so Cindy's not listening to Caddyshack Minute, which is a show? Uh, no, unfortunately okay. not. Right, fair no. Enough. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this week, uh, we discuss minutes 76 through 80 of Superman the movie. Uh, we begin this segment with the crew of Air Force One who have have just lost their engine in a lightning strike and they're desperately desperately trying to regain control of their damaged plane. And then the segment ends with Superman about to arrive at the terrace of Lois's posh penthouse apartment. And so it is quite, posh. It is posh, and we will get into that, yes. <laughs> I have many things to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the crew of Air Force One is scrambling about, and... Trying to, you know, the plane, we see the plane like actually like diving down, you know, uh, the, the very nice model of the plane in the clouds. It's very convincing, uh, very nice miniature work. And they get some unexpected help. And I don't know about you, Rob, but I, I really, this scene really gives me a charge every time it comes up on the screen. Oh, well, it's terrific. I mean, we, we talked about in previous episodes of how much Superman is a disaster movie, you know, how much of the disaster movie cinema of the 70s influences this movie. Super, um, that was kind of at, at, at the end of its run by the time Superman came around. But you can definitely feel, you know, all the stuff with Krypton is a big disaster movie kind of stuff. And so, you know, this is like, you know, one of the airport movies. You yeah. Know, like there's a there's a lightning strike hits the plane and the plane starts. And, you know, until Superman shows up to help out, uh, this feels like one of those movies. It, it feels plausible. It's kind of like we what we, again, just talked about with the uh, the detective scene. Like, for these little bits that Donner is doing, it feels like the movie, it feels like a movie separately from Superman, and then Superman shows up. You know, yeah. It's blending of genres. So, uh, I do have to say, that is one crowded cockpit. You know, yeah. there's, there's like eight guys in there. Like, I don't think cockpits are that crowded, but I don't, I've never <laughs> been on Air Force One, so what do I know? Right. I was waiting for Leslie Nielsen to pop his head and say, I just want you to know, we're all kind of on you. you know? <laughs> the auto, the air pilot, the uh, co-pilot comes up. Um, one thing I am a little confused about is that if you listen to the audio commentary, Richard Donner mentions that one of the pilots is dubbed. And he's originally a British actor, and they said that he apparently gave such a bad performance that they had to dub him and Donner was very apologetic and said that this guy was kind of like you know sort of a big deal in England and they felt embarrassed that they had to dub him but they did but the thing is I can't quite figure out who he's talking about because I looked it up on IMDb and the Air Force One pilot is credited to an actor named Frank Lazarus and then co-pilot is listed as somebody named Brian Prothero and Frank Lazarus only had a couple of credits before Superman Brian Prothero had a lot more, 
but I, and I can't tell who's the pilot and who's the co-pilot. So I'm not sure exactly which actor he's talking about. I'm going to assume he's talking about Brian Prothero, who seemed to have a little bit more of an established career, but he's dubbed. He apparently had a British accent and he couldn't quite get rid of it. So they mm. had to dub him, which is why when you see the scene where they, and he's the guy, I guess, who says fly, don't look, just fly. That's why yeah. it's like so obviously dubbed by an American actor later on. Right. That's what I was. I was assuming it was him when you said that. I remember uh, I haven't watched the uh, commentary in a while. I need to go back and watch that again, because I know I know you like can play it in your head oh, automatically. <laughs> I have it in a running loop all the time. Right. I have a, I'm going to have to sit down and watch it, uh, the commentary again. But, yeah, I remember something about that. And I, I always kind of assumed it had to be the fly guy, because even as a kid, I kind of felt like his voice didn't really match. Yeah. The guy, it's this real deep, like you said, fly. fly. Just fly. We got something. Not saying what it is. You know, that that guy, you know, that he's got that very uh, you know, almost <laughs> like a announcer guy voice, you know. That's uh uh but yeah, it, it, this I love when that shot of of Christopher Reeve coming into the frame and grabbing the uh the you know, where the engine was on the plane because he's got this really super determined look on his face and and the music swells, and, yeah. and for one, his hair's messed up, which you don't see very often. You know, the wind's blowing his hair in the opposite direction of his part, which is... <laughs> I didn't even notice that. You're right. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even think it, that his hair could be moved in that right. way. That's funny. We, we see it one more time later in the movie, which I won't spoil that his hair gets messed up, but then it, at super speed, it fixes itself. Uh, but <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it dries really quick. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I just think that's just really sweet, and the, you know the shot of the of of probably Prothero looking out the window, and Superman gives him the salute, <laughs> <laughs> and he just waves at him like a little kid, you know, looking out the window. <laughs> I love it. it's so cute, you know that. Those are the type of things that my parents always laughed at. That that type of stuff in the Superman movies. My mom and dad just like zeroed in on they, you know, as a kid, I just put that stuff was okay. It's there, you know, but they thought that was cute when the, when the every day, of course, you know, if you're a pilot for air force one, I don't know if that's exactly an everyday job, but still, you know, uh, you know, the everyday people running up against the fantastic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's like the, the, you know, baby Kal-El picking up the, the truck and, and, you know, different things like that. That's the type of stuff that they always that always they seem to enjoy. And they always mention, you know, the, the scenes from the movie that stand out to them. Whereas, you know, I'm more about what Superman when he does. Of course, this is a super feat. But when he's doing something very Superman-y and it doesn't even matter if there's any normal, you know, human muggle or whatever there to, <laughs> to marvel at him, to, to cross uh, franchises there. But uh, but, yeah, they always keyed in on stuff like that. Yeah, I, I and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, the scene in Superman Returns where he rescues the plane it obviously is a, a you know a, a, a sort of callback to this scene, and that's my favorite scene in that movie. If we ever oh, decide yeah. to do that movie, I think that, and I still think actually that's the best superhero action feat scene in any superhero movie ever, uh, really. Uh, but I mean, I feel like that's a that's a callback to this of him. You know him and him rescuing planes. That's just something you want to see. It's just really and you know I love the practical effects. Again, I don't want to um, be an old fuddy-duddy and be like, oh, practical's better because it isn't always. But being this, this is a great practical effect, and it reminds me a little bit too of. Uh, have you ever seen the Twilight Zone movie from '82? Oh yeah, the mm -hmm. scene with the, yeah. the whole thing with the gremlin. 
Like, yeah. the, 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 you know, you know that those are all just, you know, models sitting on a stage somewhere, but I'll be damned if between the combination of lighting and sound effects and camera moves, it doesn't look completely real. And so when the guy looks out the window, I, I you know, have to like, remember, Oh, he's not going to see the gremlin. It's not, this is not John Lithgow looking out the gremlin. This is, this is a good thing. This is somebody you want to see out there while your plane is. Uh, on or Shatner. Or Shatner. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. But it does, it does even kind of look like that because it is that's from that same period. It does, it does remind you of the twilight zone movie. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, with the rain and mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the mixture of like the, there's a little miniature Superman, you know, they, they, they see, but they, they all, it's cut so well. Again, we talk about how this movie so well directed, so well shot by, you know, directed by Donner, uh, shot by Unsworth and, uh, edited by Stuart Baird that it, it's just comes together so well that you never see the little Superman on the plane long enough to go, Oh, well, that's, that's a, that's a little miniature with mm-hmm. a tape. Mm-hmm. You know, they cut back and forth between, Reeve and like like a really impressive uh, piece of a you know a wing and a burnout engine, uh, you know him hanging from it to uh, you know a model back and forth. It it really sells it. It sells this scene really really well. That could be Amigo Superman for all we know on the bottom <laughs> side of that plane. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it's a it's a pocket. It's a it's a comic action Superman. He's got bent knees if you look real close. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that Superman doing that with his hand? Never mind. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, with that, uh, we'll move along to the next scene. Yes. Uh, sorry about we, that. Sorry, sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to a store window. Uh, in Metropolis, full of TVs covering Superman's first night out and a JVC product placement. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like Cheerios JVC, uh, which I think is interesting. Uh, now, in the extended cut, which we don't talk about a whole lot, but we do get a cameo by Richard Donner. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> interacting with Clark Kent. Yes. Do, you think, do you think they should have cut that out or should it have been left in? No, I definitely think they should have cut that out. That did not need to be in the movie. As much as I enjoy seeing Richard Donner in his own movie, it, it, it does not need to be there. So I'm perfectly happy they cut that out. <laughs> you know, it gives you a little more Clark Kent, you know, but that's, mm. uh, yeah, I, I don't really think you need it. And it, and that way it segues into the next uh, bit, which uh, the TV broadcasts are also being watched in the underground layer of Lex Luthor, uh, who is taking a swim in his giant pool while Miss Tessmacher bays under sun lamps while apparently wearing pantyhose. <laughs> it was the 70s, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I do think we need to have a moment of silence for Valerie Prine in this green bathing suit. <laughs> yes. It's quite fetching. It is quite. I, I think she could wear a burlap sack and be yeah, quite fetching. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, she's, she's, she's a forerunner of Daisy Duke. That's still like a year away, and she's got pantyhose on with with you know, like daisy head shorts she's got a bathing suit i'm just saying it's it's styling you know <laughs> loretta swit did the same thing on mash she, oh she, she, yeah there were the, the episodes where they were uh anything where it was like really hot at the camp and she would have shorts on she had pantyhose on you could you could sort of tell so they were always sort of hiding that as well okay <laughs> i guess it was just a thing to do in the 70s <laughs> yeah, women needed the extra support that's what i guess on. so <laughs> Legs were just selling by the dozens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Remember those things? You know, you take them and like you, your mom give you the egg, and you just go off and play with it or something. I, I do. I that didn't happen, but I do remember that product. I absolutely remember the commercials, the whole bit. I remember it all. 
I had like tons of those. And, I, you know, I had once my Mork from Mork right. egg got lost, of you course. know, that he came with, I just put him in there. It's of like, oh, course. here's his ship. Perfect. <laughs> This is what we had to make do with in the 70s, kids. Anybody who's listening who doesn't remember the 70s, this is, this is the kind of stuff we put up with. I made boats out of Dairy Queen banana split containers. That's, you know, but, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> so Lex, uh, he has reasoning that Superman is an alien in this scene, is that no one on Earth but him could pull off the kind of hoax that apparently Superman might be doing. I love that. That's just points to... Just how arrogant is this guy? <laughs> he has a very dim view of humanity, clearly. But, I mean, I guess if your father threw you out when you were, you know, seven, I guess you would feel that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you catch that Otis is eating again? I think Otis is eating. In... He's got like a candy apple, right, or something? Is that what Yeah, he's like a caramel apple, yeah. Caramel, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's... And, and I think this is the first time we actually see wigs that we know that Lex has a collection of wigs. Uh, you know, he's fluffing up his pillows, and there's a wig underneath, and there's all these wigs, which, of course, in case you were a comic book fan and like, wait a minute, why does Lex Luthor have a head full of hair? Then now you're starting to see, wait a minute, so maybe Lex isn't quite as different as from the comics as we think he might be initially. So Yeah, I think that's a great detail. It's like, okay, Gene Hackman wouldn't shave his head. Or would yeah. wear a skull cap, of course, until the end. But I mean, but basically, he refused to do it. But this is the perfect, elegant way of introducing that he is bald, and of course, he's so vain that you we see him with the wig. But here's the other shots of him with the wigs. I thought that's a, what a great way to fix a, a production problem. You know, like yeah. again, Tom Mankiewicz, man, good job. You know, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, I noticed. I had never noticed it before when. Uh, there's this one wig that looks like it's on like a full like rubber face mask. So I don't know if Lex is like off pulling Batman type disguises, <laughs> you know, where he just puts it over his face and people buy it as like skin. But it, it looks like it, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a mustache. I don't know. It, it, who knows? It might be you know, it might be a a, a, a dummy a sculpt of of uh, Christopher Reeve from one of the flying dummies or something that they stuck a mustache on. I don't know. Lex is doubling as Michael Myers in the Halloween franchise, which was out (laughs) the same year, right? We don't know. It's a Shatner mask. It's back. It's a Shatner mask. Right. Batner Shatner. Yeah. Did you (laughs) notice that when Otis is, finds the wig in the background on a table, there's like a a Roman statue. I think that's like Tiberius or something, which would fit perfectly with Lex's, you know, chosen uh, heroes would be all these kind of horrible people from history. Right, I'm re- I'm waiting for something from Vlad the Impaler to be over. Right, the yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, speaking of Lex's arrogance earlier, he he sees Superman's arrival as fate. He figures, you know, the challenge of the century, while he's trying to pull off the crime of the century, it makes sense that they'd all come together. So it's like, you know, even even Lex, you know, he, he he's so wrapped up in himself. He he doesn't. He's not really upset that this has come up he, he's he's kind of excited i think that he's got this guy to go up against you know that's he's not like oh crap you know my plans he's like oh i can take this guy down that'll be cool you know that'll be <laughs> that'll be a feather in my cap when i destroy this guy you yeah, know which really? yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing how much he takes this huge news in stride you know that he's yeah. like, oh yeah, or oh there's a there's a guy from another planet who has all these amazing abilities. Well, I'll just kill him too in, in, during my plan to sink California to the ocean. You're like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's got some real confidence. 
it's just, I mean, if there's one thing he doesn't lack, that's, uh, that's confidence. That's for yep. sure. Yep. Uh, and of course, Otis puts his robe on while he's still in the pool. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that kind of broad comedy here because it's still sly. And, you know, there's a lot of dark humor that, you know, like we said, that Lex, the, some of the stuff Lex says, you know, if you, if you listen, it's, 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 it's delivered, you know, very nonchalantly by Hackman, but it's, you know, some of it's pretty dark, but mm-hmm. so when Otis does something goofy like that, it doesn't really, I mean, does it, does that, does it work for you? Yeah, it always did. I, it's, you know, it's like the movie's got some comedy in it. It's got, you know, no, it, it never bothered me at all. Yeah, it is a little broad, but so is this character. And, and much like uh, kind of when we did our commentary track years ago, my goodness now, for Avon Costello meet Frankenstein, one of the reasons that movie works so well is that it takes the monsters seriously. It doesn't make them jokesters. It has Evan Costello do the jokes. And so Superman doesn't crack jokes and Luthor doesn't really crack jokes, but you've got Otis doing the jokes, which is, that's fine. You know, you need a little more comedy in it, but you know, I don't want to see Superman acting like a buffoon. Uh, right. So we have Otis do, which is, which is fine. So I think, I think it works just fine. Me too. I no, no complaints here. Nope. Uh, then we transition to the Daily Planet office where Perry White goes through all the headlines focusing on the Man of Steel's debut and the Daily Planet's Cape Wonder Stunned City. That immediately took on a life of its own outside of the movie appearing on both the Aladdin lunchbox and the Pepsi glasses we talked about. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so Perry's holding the paper up on both of those, and it says Cape Wonder Stun City, exactly like it is in a movie, which, you know, usually they in things like that they don't exactly say, you know, they they get close. But, I mean, no, that's, you know, and, of course, there's the great Cape Wonder website uh, that's, that's done a lot for Superman the movie, uh, and that's where they get the name from. So, uh, you know, it's it's stuck. So... I think it's I think it's pretty cool, you know. It's especially at this point where we don't Superman doesn't have a name yet, you know. He's not really Superman, so you know they don't they don't call him Man of Steel, Man of Tomorrow, whatever. I guess it makes sense. He's wearing a cape. He said can't be the Cape Crusader because that's Batman. So <laughs> yeah, to Wonder makes sense. <laughs> I would say of the four papers. Uh, the Daily Planet has the best headline. I think uh, the Metropolis Post has, says it flies, which is like, eh, that's okay. Yeah. And then you have the Daily News, which is funny because that's a real newspaper. That's a yeah. that's, that's not a fake paper. That's a New York paper. Look, Ma, no wires. That's not very good at all. Then there's the third paper, and we can't quite see who that is, and it's like b- b- Blue Bomb buzzes Metropolis, which is a little too in love with the alliteration. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that the Daily Planet's copywriters did the best job. I think Caped Wonder Stunned City uh, tells you everything you need to know. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a Caped Wonder, and we're all reacting to it. So I, I, I do think it's fun that there are four daily papers in Metropolis. That's a very yeah. big city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think maybe the blue bomb might be the Daily Bugle because I think Stan Lee may have written that. You know, <laughs> All that alliteration. When Titans clash. Yeah, and lo, there shall come a hero. Yeah, there. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that would be exactly what he would write. You're right. Uh, I love the fact that Clark about blows his cover twice in this scene. First, when he tells Perry he doesn't think that the Cape Wonder would go in for any promotional scheme. And then my absolute favorite, when he asked him what his favorite ball team is, and he almost answered yeah. it. <laughs> That's great. 
It is fantastic. He actually has an answer, uh, which I would have loved to have heard. Like, well, what was the answer? What's his favorite ball team? That's strange. Yeah, I I that was great. I wonder who it is. I wonder. I wonder who is his favorite ball team. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, we haven't established in this universe. Is there another baseball team? Is it like the Metropolis Marvels? The Metropolis somethings? You know, like who? Who is that? But yeah, I think that's great. I love that he's so in like. Cl- Superman is so comfortable in his role of Clark Kent that he is just, you know, he's willing to take that risk, you know, that he's willing to kind of like pipe up and be like, I don't think Superman would be involved in that. And you're like, maybe you shouldn't say things like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love Jackie Cooper in this scene. Oh, he's, he's terrific. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's just, you know, and he, you really get, you know, he's going through everybody and asking, you know, you know, what's his name? You know, what, what's under his cape? Batteries, you know, things, yeah. like, <laughs> things like that, which made me think of when I was a kid, you know, after I got it after that, but it always made me think of the, uh, Remco energized Superman I had who had batteries under his cape, you know? <laughs> okay. I never had that. All right. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, you know, Lois gets the card that says a friend wants to meet her at eight. And again, this this calls back to what he told her after the helicopter incident. She asked him who he was, and he said a friend. And and again, you know, as I said before, if you look at it another way, he's not lying. He is already her friend. So mm-hmm. you know, Superman will will later learn that he never lies. So there you go. Unless you go with the whole, you know, living a double life thing, but we'll get into that later. So he's really skating right up against the line, though, because of course he knows as Superman, he told Lois he was a friend, and now here he is as Clark, calling himself a friend, which is, you know, like Clark, what are you doing, man? You know, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love how Perry hesitates before he compares the interview with Superman to God talking to Moses. Yeah. He, it's like he stops. He knows he's he's walking on blasphemous ground, but he, <laughs> he feels, by God, this deserves it. You know, he's like, just God talk to Moses, you know, just, I mean, he stops and, and, and then he, then he goes right into it. He thinks about it for a second before he says it. I, I, that's a great delivery on, on Jackie Cooper's part. As, as a newspaper man, of course, he thinks of it as an interview that yes. was done when God talked to Moses. It was, yeah, it was exactly. an interview. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the moment though when the whole bit where he says, "Does he have a girlfriend?" and then they immediately cut to a reverse, not a reverse shot, but like a different shot of Lois, and she just has that smile on her face. That's just so adorable. Where she's grinning, and she's the only one in the room that knows what she knows. I thought that was just per- again, well, once again, perfectly edited, perfect acting, directing, writing, and editing of just that cut of just seeing her look so like a little schoolgirl. Knowing that she's got a note from her boyfriend, it's just yeah. it's so adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's like he snuck her a note in class. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Do you like me? He, Check one box, yes or no. You know, it's like yeah. kind of <laughs> let's meet at the malt shop. You know, that yeah. type of thing or something. <laughs> yeah, and of course, for comic book geeks, you know, what was Lois's comic book called? Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Yep. So you know, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, she literally was on hundreds of comic books stamped across the top Superman's girlfriend. So that even, you know, that even calls that like straight into, of course we all know that she's his girlfriend, whatever wife later on. But, but, uh, you know, I, I you know, as a, as a comic geek, it kind of like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what she is. She's when you're a kid, you think Lois Lane is Superman's girlfriend, you know? So I thought I like, but yeah, she, she, she plays that so well. And we'll get it. Of course we'll get into that as we go along, but I love, 
Margot Kidder's, you know, love struck, you know, almost teenage crush he's got on Superman in this movie. You know, it's it's such a it's such a uh, nice character switch from the hardened cynic. Uh, cynical reporter that we met, you know, who's writing an ode to spring about rape and, you know, <laughs> brassiers and, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah it's really, it's, it's really very charming. And speaking of which the scene cuts to uh, Lois's apartment as she waits for a friend. <laughs> and uh, I personally don't think, Margot Kidder ever looked more attractive than she does right here. I think she just looks fantastic in this scene. She does. She looks great. And I mean, who would not want to hang out with Lois at this, this pad that she's got? I don't know what kind of make money she makes at the daily planet, but it's pretty good. Cause uh, a rooftop penthouse apartment in New York city in 1978, it cost you quite a lot of money. What, 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 what's your theory on that? How do you think she affords that place? Uh, Cause it's a movie. And uh, everyone in movies has these amazing apartments uh, that uh, are seemingly rent-controlled, and they can just afford it. So um, that's it. Plus, didn't they? I mean, you know, in, in in the grand universe of the Superman comics, isn't she the the daughter of a general? So well, yes, yeah, it's the general. Yeah. So you know, he probably had made some decent money. So maybe she's got some money from her parents or something. Yeah, could be. That's true. I, I was kind of wondering if maybe in this continuity she had dated Bruce Wayne previously. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Why not? Sure. Why not? And he, he liked her so much he let her keep the apartment when they broke up. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it, would, it would be a lot harder for Superman to land in an apartment that was not on a top floor. He would have to like slide right in through the window. It's probably a lot harder for Christopher Reeve to do on those wires. So luckily she has a penthouse apartment. You'd have to do the old George Reeves way where exactly. he swung in on the bar, you know, yeah. and <laughs> swung through the window. <laughs> that, that, that whoosh sound effect when he came flying in. But damn, he did that well. George really did that well. He did mm-hmm. he did landings and takeoffs really, really. And coming through a wall, I, as much as I love Christopher Reeve, nobody came through a wall better than George. That's just, just <laughs> he could, that man could go through a wall. But uh, speaking of Superman, we get a nice POV shot from Superman's perspective, or a helicopter cam probably. But either way, it works as we come in on Lois's uh, apartment and that's the end of these five minutes because he's Superman's about to arrive. So what do you think of these five minutes, Rob? Well, I said the, the, the whole, does he have a girlfriend scene is one of the great moments from the movie. I think it's, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's what sets this movie apart that it has time for a little sweet moments like that. Uh, there are two little bits I want to mention that before we sign off and there are the, the scenes with Lex. First of all, Lex has a, a thing around his neck, like a necklace and it, you can't tell what it is. It's some little silver piece uh, and it doesn't play into the story. We never find out what it is. But I'm just sort of curious because that's a conscious choice by the mm. costumer to, to put that around Lex's neck. So I'm just sort of fascinated as to what that was supposed to represent. And then we also see that when Miss Tessmacher is laying and she's sunning herself with the, the, the sun lamps and we see the background, we, we see the background run out. And mm-hmm. we, we find out that it's a film that's being run, which, again, I just think is such a great touch. And that was John Barry. That was the – Donner mentions that on the commentary where he thought that was such a genius detail of, like, trying so desperately to simulate having a normal life when you actually – you're living, you know, 500 feet underground 
and you never see the sun anywhere. And I did think that was great. Is when you see Otis come through and he lifts the screen and you see it run out. You see like the little like the the filament, not the filament. I'm sorry. You see like the like the end trims and you see like four, three, two, one, and it runs out. It's again just such a great, great little detail to throw in there. Yeah, that's true. I had, I had even. I mean, I, I noticed that, but I didn't. I'd never thought about that. That's why that that's there. That because that. You know, because obviously there can't be a window for him to look at. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> especially when you're in hiding, apparently, and then you're you're that many feet below ground. So, yeah, that that's really cool. I had never really caught on to that before. That's sweet. Yeah, it's wonderful. Cool. This guy, these guys were all just just humming and humming along in all cylinders. They just really great. And again, I have to say again, Valley Prine in the green bikini, looking good. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, she's got a wig of her. Yeah, she got a she wig, a wig of, her of her own. own. On yeah, everybody's big on wigs uh, here at, uh, at Lex Luthor's house. Uh, it's it's very, they're they're wig centric people. <laughs> uh, they should start a band or something. Call it wig centric. I don't know. It's a, it sounds like a good name for a punk yeah, band or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess that'll do it for the, these five minutes. Uh, so. Uh, I think we're done. Are, are you good? We've said everything we need to say yeah, about. I think we're good in this five minutes. I think we're I think we're ready to move on to the to the the, the, the date, the big date. Yes, that's a big that's a huge scene in the movie, and uh, we're looking forward to talking about that. Uh, but these five minutes were, of course, uh, very important. We popped along to a lot of the different locales in the movie, and uh, you know some of the some main sets we'll revisit throughout the movie. So that was cool. Uh, be sure to check out the other fine shows on the Fire and Water Podcast Network at fireandwaterpodcast.com. That includes several, it actually includes a lot featuring Rob <laughs> and, uh, and several myself as host. Uh, we'd love to read your comments on Superman the Movie over at fireandwaterpodcast.com, so you can leave us a note there. and You can also leave us a review in iTunes if you're so inclined. That'd be great. And thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviebyminutes.com, including that Caddyshack Movie Minute show. <laughs> that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> don't, I love Caddyshack, so don't, don't listen to my wife on that one. Uh, <laughs> I do, too. I, have to, I think I do, too. I like that movie. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> so join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute. Bye. Bye is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night.